definitely. When I retired, like, I it was so hard for me because I was obsessed with skiing and um, and I hadn't done anything else. Like, I hadn't done like, – I definitely worked part-time, but um, I hadn't done any study. I hadn't done – Thought about what you wanted to do. I hadn't even thought about it, yeah. I just was like – and Chelsea would always say, oh, you need to think about it. And I was like, no, 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 like, don't it's worry. Right. Don't worry about it. Like, it'll happen. And, um, I mean, it's worked out now. I guess for me, I was always thinking, well, I'm finished. Like, what are, what are my goals next? Um, I wanted to buy a property. Um, I wanted to be in full-time work and things like that. And Sam was still stuck back where I was when I was 15, 16, but yet he was so much older. So it was like a weird thing for me. Like I couldn't figure out why he wasn't like trying to think of what's going to happen next. I'm Jamie Nobbs, a former Australian figure skater, and you're listening to So What's Next, the podcast for athletes sharing their stories of how they transitioned out of sport and the lessons they learned along the way. On this week's episode, I have a couple joining me. Both of them are incredible athletes, and I'm so excited to share both of their stories separately as much as I am together. So today I'd like to welcome Chelsea Lee, Australian figure skater, and Sam Hall, Australian freestyle skier in the discipline of mogul skiing. Chelsea went to the 2010 Winter Olympics in Vancouver. I've known Chelsea for a very long time now and it's great to have her on here. She's now gone on to become the assistant principal at a school and Sam Hall competed at the 2014 Sochi Winter Olympics and has gone on to become a carpenter. They're both in their own right incredible athletes and I'm just as excited to share both of their stories as I am to have them on together. So I just wanted to start off by thanking you both for jumping on the episode with me. Yeah, thank you for having us. We've been, well, I have been a long time listener, so um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you for having me. (laughs) I'm glad you guys could both make it on. I wanted to start off by asking a little bit about both of your childhood. So we haven't done a Mm -hmm. duo or a couple episode before, so it might be a little bit different to what people are used to, but. Chelsea, would you like to start off just a little bit about your childhood and how you actually got into figure skating? Yeah, I guess um, I was a pretty sporty sporty kid. I was into every sport. Figure skating was probably one of the later ones that I tried, but I used to do, I guess my two main sports were um, I started with rhythmic gymnastics and then I ended up pretty heavily into the artistic gymnastics, into the levels and figure skating. So they were my main two sports, but I did surfing, um, swimming, uh, softball, soccer, hockey, you name it, throughout my schooling years. So um, yeah, and eventually I ended up with the the gymnastics and skating. How about yourself, Sam? Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We'll we'll take a little bit of time to get used to the the three people on the episode. (laughs) How about yourself? Um, So I grew up my first few years of my life in Jindabyne and my parents are like super keen skiers so yeah I just kind of was skiing by the age of three and then we moved to Avalon on the northern beaches and I kind of was very active my whole childhood I did like yeah surfing soccer basketball pretty much everything like my parents were very active people so me and my brother we did everything when did you start to think, like, I want to become competitive in this, I want to become an Olympian in this? How far down the track did that take? Um, I think, like, when I was young, I always, like, 
daydreamed a lot about it. Like I always thought about it and um, I always imagined it and stuff. But then as I got older, I actually thought it wasn't going to happen because I was a very like tiny kid. Like it took me a long time to mature and to be, like I was about five foot until I was about 17. And then in, when I turned 18, I just had a massive growth spurt and, and ended up getting muscles. And then after that, my skiing just like went through the roof. And I was like, oh, you know what? I think I might be able to make it. So, yeah, so it was probably about 18, pretty late to think that you can make it. So, How tall do you have to be? Like what's the average in your sport? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm about six foot, but the average, lo, lo, most people are quite um, short. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of people are shorter because um, I guess you don't want to have too longer legs to like suck up, suck up the moguls because, yeah, because yeah, you can get, it's like a very technical sport, mogul skiing. It's probably one of the most technical sports, I think, in freestyle, and there's a lot to it. So the shorter your knee to foot is, the better you can kind of get forward and be in more control. So, yeah, I just um, you probably want to be a bit shorter than me, but it helped just me growing more muscles because you need to be very athletic to be able to sustain all the pressure that you get put through with the moguls. So, yeah. And how about you, Chelsea? When was the Olympics kind of a, a dream for you? Uh, I guess Sam and I were looking, um, we were talking about it just before we hopped on and my story is a little bit unusual, I guess, to some of your other guests. I didn't really have the dream to go to the Olympics or anything. I was just enjoying sport. I loved being active. I was always, I guess it was my main thing in life besides school was just to, you know, rush out the door, get to training and then go to school and then finish school straight back to training. Um, And that was something that I absolutely loved doing day in, day out. And it was probably only up until, I guess I started skating competitively when I was around seven. It was probably when I was about 14, um, I realised that, hang on, I could probably actually do something with this. And I think it was, I had been on scholarship with the Olympic Winter Institute for a couple of years by then. And um, Belinda and Kylie, my coach and mentor said, you know, look at these next competitions that are coming up. The Olympic qualifiers are starting to come up. You could actually, if we look at your goals and your short-term goals and where you want to be and things, you could probably actually just scrape in, I guess. Um, and I was quite young at the at that time as well. And I said, okay, well, you know, I'll just keep chipping away at it and we'll see, we'll go to the events and just see what happens. And I think it was not at the actual big world championships qualifying event the year before um, because I blew up big time there, um, but it was at the Nebelhorn Trophy, which was the qualifying event in the September before the Olympics. They had seven spots on the line and they said, look, looking at your scores from previous events and things, you could probably get into the top 10. So we'll just see where you fare, give it your best shot. And I did and I just scraped in. So, yeah, it was kind of an unusual journey and I thought it would be a great opportunity to be there but it wasn't my like be all and end all yeah so before we continue on I know you've both had some incredible achievements as sports people and I don't want to take away it by having a a joint um, episode but I did want to bring you on to the episode together because I think it's really neat that sports actually brought you two together (laughs) would you be able to tell me a little bit about how you two actually met and how that involved people like John Marsden and, and Swiss and stuff like that. Uh, I'll go and then I guess you can do <laughs> your thing on it. Yeah. Um, we met through Winter Sports because it's only a small uh, community, Winter Sports. So 
everyone pretty much trains out of N-Swiss in Homebush. And I pretty much just saw Chelsea in the gym and uh, talked to her. And we had a few sessions, like outdoor sessions at Palm Beach in the dunes. And um, I guess we just got chatting. And then at that time, she was yeah 16. So I didn't, re- <laughs> I didn't really think about it too much. But we were friends first. <laughs> yeah, we were friends. And then um, I guess later on, it just became something else. We kind of went on dates after gym, going to Subway, going to breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, it kind of turned into something. So Yeah, yeah. I guess it was a little progression, yeah. we. Um, I always thought Sam was a really nice guy. Um, when we were training together, we always had good conversations. And then, yeah, just a couple of years later, we thought, oh, maybe we we give it a shot, went on a couple of dates, as you said, and, yeah, the rest was history. <laughs> so this was back in, I think we were talking um, about We probably met, I guess, come, came into each other's radars um, in 2008 and then uh, we were just seeing each other maybe every couple of every couple of months because, Sam, I guess as skiers, well, as skaters we're always around, but skiers, they kind of they go down to the snow for a couple of months and then they come back and train a little bit and then they go overseas for like three to four months. So there was a lot of times where we wouldn't talk for months and then he'd come back and I'd see him and then he was gone again. So, um, yeah, it took a couple of years and then, yeah, we kind of got our schedules together. And Yeah, yeah. I think I was um, I think I think was a bit starstruck by Chelsea a bit because um, she was already an Olympian. Mm. I wasn't. And um, I remember watching her at Vancouver on the TV and, at first, I kind of didn't feel like I was worthy because I wasn't an Olympian yet. <laughs> but um, she was just, you know, she was just super down to earth so and very approachable. And, um, yeah, it just kind of went from there. So I was always like a, a fan. I thought, you know, it was amazing to make the Olympics at 16. It is a big achievement to go in at 16. Um, I am really excited. Some of the questions we've got later on are basically talking about how you were each other's support network and watching for Chelsea watching yourself retire and then Sam going into the Olympics. Yeah. I'm really excited to go into that with you too. Before we go get into that, what did your training regime and actual recovery look like as an athlete? So Sam, you've already mentioned you were traveling or Chelsea mentioned that you were traveling a fair bit. What did a usual season look like for you? How often were you away? Uh, I was away probably six months of the year, I'd say. Yeah. So I'd probably be down in Jindabyne, down in um, Perisha. It's probably more than six months, actually. I'll probably be there for about three months. And then I'd be overseas, either like in Canada or the US was usually our training hub. And I'd probably be there for about three or four months. But then also we do water jumping. So you can practice your jumps into water before you do snow. And that was down in Melbourne. And I'd be away probably another month there. So you're always traveling because there's not, you know, the How facilities. In Sydney, yeah. yeah, there's not that many facilities in Sydney to kind of help us. So yeah, you're kind of on the road all the time. I remember, Chelsea, you were away a fair bit as well. So I moved to Sydney to be around the likes of Chelsea when um, I was skating. What did your usual season look like? So I know you spent a fair bit of time in, I think it was Colorado? Yeah, so I guess, as you would know, um, skating isn't really – we all, we do have our competition season, but because our, I guess if you say our nationals used to be in August when we were growing up and then – say overseas most of theirs was around January so our kind of competition season didn't really match up with the rest of the world so we were kind of training and competing all year round so I was home skating every day except for Sunday twice a day from I'd say 
maybe March, April um, to December. And then I'd go overseas to Colorado Springs from December to say December to February and there's some competitions like Four Continents and Worlds and things in between then. So I'd go from Colorado Springs to those competitions or or whatnot. But yeah, it was I feel like the figure skating training regime compared to the moguls training regime is like chalk and cheese, um, even though they're both winter sports. The training regime really even though I enjoyed it, I found it as I got older I found it really wearing on the body and I had to reconsider a lot of the things that I was doing, which I guess in the end, as we'll get into, didn't really work out for me because I just, it was too much on on my body, the training for skating. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of future athletes, I feel like I could speak for that, that you really need to look after your body and and things in a sport like that because it just won't last. Mm -hmm. In terms of recovery, what did both of your recovery periods look like? Were they quite similar or, again, were they quite different? Yeah, I mean, after our big uh, competition, our competition season was, like, from December to March, over that Christmas period. After that, we'd probably have a bit of recovery, maybe, like, a a month off. But other than that, it was just, like, full on. Yeah, other than that month, like, I don't really feel like there was much recovery. And then the other times, I guess, you recovered is when you were injured. So, mm-hmm. and you couldn't ski, you just, you know, you're, I was back in Sydney um, recovering. So. Yeah, and I think for me, um, obviously, I used to have that three or four weeks as well in March after World Championships. But I guess on a day-to-day basis, as far as recovery, you know, I was always, I was at the physio probably two or three times a week. I had massage once a week. After gym sessions at M-Swiss, I'd be in the ice baths. And then I guess just at home, just stretching stretchy every afternoon when I get home um, and things like that. So I think recovery is a really important part of training if you want longevity in the sport. Speaking of longevity, I feel like ice skating doesn't have a lot of that. (laughs) No, no. I feel like it's a little bit like gymnastics in that sense, which, yeah, I I ended up in both those sports, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's the average age of retirement for mogul skiing? I think it kind of depends because... Like mobile skiing is still very much an amateur sport, so it's not like there's a lot of money in it. So the people that are successful, I probably would say they go on to about maybe their 30s. Mm-hmm. 30s would early probably, 30s. Early 30s would probably be the oldest. They wouldn't see anyone going past 32, I'd say. But most people, because of it, it is an amateur sport, they get to about 21, 22, and their parents don't really want to fund them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't kind of had a good enough results to get funded by the government so they kind of have to give it in which is kind of sad but it's kind of just the nature of it so mm-hmm. um so yes yeah, anywhere from a lot of people drop out at about 22 and then the other people about from 28 to 32 so you peak you peaked probably 25 mm-hmm. yeah wow still very young <laughs> um yeah what was one of the most difficult challenges you guys faced so i know chelsea for you it might have been injuries definitely injuries for me um I had probably three major injuries throughout my sporting career that was probably I broke my back in 2007 while I was training in Colorado Springs I was actually in a car accident there and that was kind of the main I guess thing that caused that um and I kept I had about a week off and I kept training through that until I got home and I was like no something really isn't right and I had my scans and things and I ended up taking about six months off skating after that I was in a back brace and 
and things like that. And then my next one was I tore my PCL in my left leg. I had about three months off with that one. And then my main thing that probably ended it for me was I got osteitis pubis, which is kind of like an inflammation in my pelvic area. And it kind of just, there was little niggly things that, that would flare it up probably in my last two years before I retired. And then it all just came to a head one training session and I ended up taking about, I'd say about six months off and thought I might be able to make it back. And I just, I, I never officially retired, but I just, yeah, I just couldn't make it back from that one. It's still I still you yeah, day, yeah, I still struggle with that at the moment. I've done lots of rehab. I've had surgery on my adductor tendons to try and help with that because it's a um, common injury with AFL players as well. And, yeah, I still I manage it now. Um, I still have to get physio every now and then, and I'm still a quite active person at the moment. I mean, since becoming a mum, it's a bit different. But um, before that, I still was in the gym every day running and things. But, yeah, it has set me back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel kind of upset for her as well because um, she was, you know, when she went to the Olympics in Vancouver, she was 16 and she did really well. And I just, I mean, I thought that she was going to just be a massive star. Like I just thought <laughs> that she was going to go to, when I when we started dating, I'd watch her and, I, and I'd be like, oh, like she's like got something special. Like she she could jump way higher than any other person in the rink. And I was like, yeah, she's going to do something special. And then. It's just a shame that she didn't get to see that through. But she seemed fine about it. I feel like I'm more <laughs> yeah. upset about it for her than what she is. Yeah, it's not something that I guess weighed me down in life as far as I got stuck with it and then I didn't know how to move on and things like that. I guess something that my parents really prepared me for was life outside of sport, and I'll talk about that a bit later. But um, that really helped me get through that. It was really sad time for me, but I just... I just did what I knew how to do and move forward with other things that I could do. Mm. Can yeah. confirm Chelsea was a huge jumper. <laughs> I remember Definitely my favourite. If I could um, do figure skating and just jump without the programs, without the spins, without the dancing, without the dresses, without anything else, I would. that would be my dream sport. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yes, elegance was not my strong point either. No. <laughs> when you look back at your time as an athlete, what are you most proud of? Is there any standout moments or is it meeting your future husband and wife? What what would be the – I feel like I've given you the answer there, but when you look back <laughs> as an athlete, no, I have aside, to say that. <laughs> what are you most um, proud of? I guess for me, not growing up with the dream of making the Olympics and now I can look back and say I'm an Olympian is probably the proudest moment for me in sport because it took a lot of determination. It did take a lot of grit and a lot of perseverance. I think for me, being a 16-year-old at the Olympics, it was difficult. It's a weird age to be, like, I thought I was quite mature and old and things. But when I look back at it, I'm like, no, you were really young. You were just a kid. And yeah, it was just, I think, yeah, just the perseverance and things. At that point, you're really, I guess, Everyone else is adults and they're yeah, partying. You, and... <laughs> you're really swayed by your friends and things like that. And you have to sacrifice a lot at that age. And I think after the Olympics was when I really realised, hang on, I'm just like, I'm about to turn 18, I guess, and I want to go out partying. I want to do these things. But I can't because I'm training. So I really struggled with that after the Olympics. So I took, I did take a little bit of a break because I wanted to experience those things like a regular kid. You know, I stopped. 
I finished, well, I didn't finish school, but I ended up doing distance education in year 10. So I lost a lot of my friends from high school and I felt very, um, I felt like skating was just my world, whereas I wanted to experience a whole bunch of other things. So I get, I can't, I've got a, a bit off topic there, but um, being an Olympian just took a lot of perseverance and dedication, which is what I was trying to get at. And that, I guess, is my proudest moment. And then apart from meeting Sam. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even think about the part about me. That wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think kind of the same. Um, so I missed out on making the Vancouver. Two, the Vancouver, the one the Olympics that Chelsea went to by one spot. And the year before, so you have to be in the top 30 in the world. And coming into the Olympics, I was in 27th. And everyone was like, oh, like, you're just going to, like, you're young. You're just going to keep moving through the ranks. Like, you're going to make the Olympics easy. And I think it kind of got into my head and I just, like, each event coming into it, I just would just defeat myself before I'd even do the event. And um, I ended up, yeah, I ended up dropping down to 31. I was super devastated about that. And so it was kind of fuel for me. And when I finally made the Olympics in 2014, it was, like, kind of bittersweet. So definitely that would be my best, um, I don't know, I guess my most, on paper, that would be my best achievement, being an Olympian. But um, at the Olympics, I actually didn't compete very well. So if I had to say my best, like, competition would probably be World Championships mm, in, two, yeah. in 2013, where I came sixth place, yeah. which was, yeah, huge. I actually, I'd never thought I would have been sixth in the world at one point. So, so I felt that's probably my biggest personal achievement Mm. that's a massive achievement making an olympics is like the top one percent in the world so missing out by one spot and then getting to go as well is a huge achievement it leads nicely into my next question how have you changed the way you manage stress both in sport and outside of sport has it changed since you've um, moved away from the world of sport Uh, i think it's the same for me like um when i was in sport that that was probably the biggest thing Uh, i probably had the skill and i had everything but mentally I just just used to get so nervous and I think I still get nervous and I today like with my carpentry and construction I still doubt my skills and that's pretty much exactly what I did when (laughs) I was in skiing as well um so I haven't probably haven't mastered that yet yet, but um I always did my best in skiing when I was very calm and and I think that's probably the same now like when I'm very confident in work like I do my best work but yeah I can definitely work on stress management yeah yeah (laughs) I probably still need to perfect that so (laughs) um for me I'm I think I'm the opposite I I kind of thrive under stress I have always yeah I've never I wasn't like Sam I didn't really get I think Olympics might have been the only competition where I was fully 100% nervous I was never one to let nerves get the best of me. Um, I always feel like in life I've been quite a mentally strong person. There have been a few moments where I haven't, but there's not many. (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I said before, I I thrive under stress. Like I guess now I'm an assistant principal um, and I've got, you know, a lot lot of stresses with that. I've got to manage a whole team. I teach special needs students as well. So a lot of stress involved with that, um, a lot of paperwork, um, and I'm that kind of person that gets something done two weeks before it's due. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I thrive under stress, I think. Mm. I was going to ask yeah. if you're the sort of person that thrives under stress and therefore loves to leave stuff till the last minute, but I think you've just answered it there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm definitely not a last-minute person at all. 
yeah, they're very organised. Yeah. I think when I was younger, I was a bit more like Chelsea there in that I was just like, yeah, I thrived under the pressure of competing. And I think as I've got older, I've become definitely more like Sam. So when Sam was speaking about like (laughs) stress now in work, I can definitely resonate. I think, yeah, we can both work on that. (laughs) Um, I want to get on to success. Has your definition of success actually changed as you've moved away from sport or has that stayed the same? Mine's, yeah, mine's definitely changed. Um, I think when I was, when I was skiing, like it was all individual and I guess you're, um, you're very like selfish. Um, you have to, to be as an athlete. I think you have to be. I think you have to be probably, I probably should have been more selfish at some, some stages, but now it's like totally different. It's like, um, more of a team with me, Chelsea, and I guess Ava now, it's like a, we work together and we have the same goals on life and so yeah it's definitely different because I mean family now like I do everything everything that I do now is pretty much for our family so so yeah it's changed changed heaps yeah and then for me I guess success when I was younger and when I was in sport I always I, I'm very proud of the fact that success was always measured for me was doing the best that I can setting high expectations for myself and being able to achieve them that wasn't because being skating is such a subjective sport I couldn't go based off what I was going to be placed or what school the judges were going to give me although there were goals and key performance indicators I had to meet um, in order to maintain scholarships and things like that for me personally it was always setting the high expectation for myself and then achieving those little steps and little goals so that I can get there Um, So, for example, one of my biggest, I guess, goals in skating was to um, achieve a triple-triple and I managed to do that in competition, well, one of my last competitions, which was a world championships, but that wasn't reflected in my scores or my result at that competition. So that didn't really, yes, I was a bit down at the time, the first time that I saw the result, but I could go home and reflect on it and say, well, hang on, I really achieved what I set out to do and I guess that's still the same now like I've been really lucky in my teaching career that I've progressed quite quickly I didn't expect to do that but when I started teaching well first of all I got a scholarship when I was um, starting at university um, which got me a permanent teaching position straight away Um, so I just went straight into that from university and I started at a really small school and when you're at a small school with like say 100 plus kids you kind of have to take on a lot of different roles. You don't just teach your class, you organise a whole bunch of school events and things like that. So I kind of got the experience with that job in leadership and the principal that I had at the time was quite supportive and said, look, you've done all these things, you can put it on your CV and just see what it gets you. I mean, she goes, I know you're looking to start a family soon, you need the extra money, you'll need the permanency and things like that so just apply and see what happens and I thought I'd apply and get knocked back a few times I hadn't done interviews because I didn't need to straight out of uni so I was quite nervous in going for those things but I just I guess with skating I just went for it (laughs) and yeah I got a temporary assistant principal position and then I was in that for a couple of months and then I thought oh well if we're going to have a a kid soon well I'll need a permanent position And I went for that and I got that and then I fell pregnant straight away. So I've been quite, not lucky, but I guess just fortunate in the fact that each opportunity that I've had, I've just taken it by the horns and Mm. just gone for it. Yeah. Yeah. She's, um, 
She's super determined, Chelsea. Like, uh, I think we both have that, like, quiet determination, but I think Chelsea's is, like, on a different level to mine. Like, <laughs> mine, I'm very, like, laid back and, like, I could say take it or leave it, whereas, like, Chelsea's just, like, it's all or nothing. So, um, and uh, she's, like, she's achieved so much at such a young age, so you know, credit to her. All right, we're going to go on to post-sport now. So retiring at different times must have been a strange transition. At that point, you guys were together. Um, yes. Chelsea, how did you find retiring while Sam was still competing? I found it very difficult. I think for me, the fact that having a partner who was still at the level that I wanted to be at, I was quite, I felt like I was torn between supporting him and also being quite envious. I obviously didn't get to finish the sport on my terms, which is what, hence why the envious, the envy comes in. But yeah, it was really hard to find the balance to be able to support him while he was still trying to achieve what he needed to and trying to look after my mental health in trying to move forward and also get uh, my injury under under wraps and things like that. So it was really difficult and I struggled with it a lot, especially because Sam wasn't here half the time. Like I was at home, um, I was still studying at university I was prepping up for my um, surgery and I was working at Enswiss on reception as well. So, yeah, there was a lot of things going on um, mentally and physically for me whilst also still trying to be the perfect <laughs> the perfect partner. Yeah, it was really hard that he wasn't here to be able to support me through what I was going through as well, I guess. Yeah, what about you? Um, I mean, at the time, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I, like, I knew that you were going through a lot as well, but I kind of was like in that athlete mind frame a bit. I was kind of thought about myself, you know, a lot, which was, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I guess you have to be that way, but it's kind of, it's a bit tough when you think about it that I couldn't be there for you for those things. But yeah, so, but I definitely, when I retired, like, I it was so hard for me because I was obsessed with skiing and, um, and I hadn't done anything else. Like I hadn't done, like I definitely worked part-time, but um, I hadn't done any study. I hadn't done. Thought about what you wanted to do. I hadn't even thought do. about it. Yeah, I just was like, and Chelsea would always say, oh, you need to think about it. And I was like, no, 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 like, don't, worry. Right. don't worry about it. Like it'll happen. And um, I mean, it's worked out now. I guess for me, I was always thinking, well, I'm finished. Like what are, what are my goals next? Um, I wanted to buy a property. Um I wanted to be in full-time work and things like that. And Sam was still stuck back where I was when I was 15, 16, but yet he was so much older. So it was like a weird thing for me. Like I couldn't figure out why he wasn't like trying to think of what's going to happen next. But I think for Sam, he's always been, I don't know if it's a guy thing or an athlete thing, I don't know, but he was always just one track mind on like on skiing until pretty much the day he, he retired. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and it was hard, yeah. I think I didn't think that I was depressed, but I think Chelsea definitely says that I was because, yeah, it was hard. It was hard to be always thinking about skiing and then one day you're just like, oh, that's it. Like, what am I going to do now kind of thing? And I hadn't – that's what I'd probably want to try tell people that are in sport is you have to have a, a backup plan or you have to do some sort of study on know what you want to do when you finish um, because, yeah, it was so hard for me. But um, I made, I got, I'm kind of there, there now. So, mm. yeah. 
you said you were studying uh, while – were you studying while skating or was that once you finished skating you moved into university studies? Yeah, so if I go back in time, so 2010, at the 2010 Olympics, I was just – I had just started year 12. So um, I finished that year out. Um, I kind of had a break that year and then, yeah, I didn't have – in 2011 I went straight into my first year of uni. Um, so – yeah, I was, st- and then I tried to continue competing in 2011 and I got injured, I think, in se- August, September of that year. So, yeah, I was, I was studying and, um, and competing at the same time, but it was never, even throughout high school, it was, it was just second nature to me that you go skating in the morning, you study throughout the day, then you go skating again in the afternoon. Like, it was not a big thing for me that, as soon as I finished school, I just did replace it with uni. And I guess growing up for me, my parents are both, they're not, I wouldn't have said they're sporty, sporty people. Like they enjoy their sport, but they didn't really compete in sport. Um, they were both academics. So I, for me growing up, it was you only do sport if you're doing well in school. Mm-hmm. So which is completely different to how Sam grew up. Yeah. I mean, and his yeah. parents are really successful business people, but they didn't yeah. value school at all. Yeah, well, yeah, my parents, they didn't finish school when they've, I mean, they've been super, super, super successful. So um, I guess uh, as I was growing up, it wasn't wasn't kind of drummed into me that it was um, that important. And I, I didn't finish school either. Like I went, I did like up to year 11 and then, um, uh, and then I did like half a year 12 and then I kind of, my parents were, you know, there was no pressure. Like they were like, oh, you can leave if you want to kind of thing. Mm. So um, so I was like, yeah, oh, great, I'll leave and just go skiing. So <laughs> I didn't really think about it at that time. So, But I would, I think I'd be different now. Like if Ava was going to do sport, I'd want her to have some sort of backup plan. So, yeah. Yeah, I find a lot of people it's school's not the only way to go about it. So like people no. go into trades, they drop out. There's always other things out there that you can do instead of schooling. <laughs> For myself, it was the same as Chelsea. My parents were like, yeah, you can skate. You need an education. You need to finish year 12. It wasn't really um, something that was like a negotiable for me. So I feel the same, yeah, as Chelsea. I do, I have spoken to a lot of athletes that have not gone on to do university degrees and have ended up like successful business people or they've got opportunities through sport that have led on to their career. So I don't think there's one right way to do it. I think it's just, it's interesting hearing people's perspectives of like, if I could have done something differently, what would I do or like how it worked yeah. out for them? So I think there's there's definitely more than one right way. What skills do you think as an athlete you have acquired that have helped you where you are today? I think for me it's mainly the time management, organisation and determination. Um, in my job, organisation is everything. Otherwise, everything just gets swamped on top of you and there's no end date in sight like you could just have so much work and you could work 24 hours and just not get everything that you need to get done so and I guess in skating I had a weekly timetable and I knew every day what I was doing at every second and now I'm the exact same like well being a mom it's a bit different um and being on maternity leave but at work I'm the exact same I have my whole day planned out what I need to do um, in order to get things done. Otherwise, if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't get anything done. 
so yeah, it's definitely the organization and then also the determination because I just always just wanted to do the best that I can for now for the kids that I'm teaching and the families that I look after. Um, and then it was the same in skating, just doing the best that I can. Yeah, I think determination is probably the biggest thing that I've taken into work. Whereas like a lot of people will give up on things or it'll be too hard. Like I just kind of just dig in and stick, you know, I'll stick to that goal. Like I'll never kind of give in on it. And um, that's probably the biggest thing for me in work is yeah, just perseverance. perseverance yeah. Mm, I think they're all very good skills to have going in, yeah. going forwards, regardless of what you get into. You've both gone into very different lines of work. When you look back at your time as an athlete, now as parents, what legacy do you most hope to leave as people? So I've, I've jumped a little bit here, but I am curious to know. I don't know. It's a hard just question. Haven't, just haven't <laughs> thought about that before. And um, I think if I want people to what to think about me, I guess, when I'm not on on this earth anymore, is mainly just that, that I was a nice person and I could always make someone laugh or make someone smile. I think that's probably the only thing that I'd want to take out of it. I don't don't really care if someone, you know, remembers me for being an awesome skier or an awesome builder or carpenter kind of thing so yeah just like a just a basic you know think I'm a nice person that's pretty much it (laughs) I think for me it's now like having my daughter Ava I she's my work my complete world so I I just want to be a really good role model for her and I want her to be proud of me. That's that's my my main thing. I yeah, I think she needs to be proud of all the achievements that I've done and to be able to think, oh look, mum's done this, so I should be able to do something like this or even better. Yeah, I think that's that's the main legacy I want to leave as well. Yeah. There are so many athletes that look up to you both. Do you have any advice that you received as an athlete that you still carry with you today? I don't I wouldn't say it was advice but something that I'd learned throughout my career was to always train smarter not harder because I think for both of us mm. looking back at both our careers and I can say it for Sam yeah. because I was there through most of it and we both suffered with massive injuries Sam I don't think he mentioned before but he had some pretty big um, knee injuries was that as an athlete I think you get bogged down in the fact that I've got to train this much and I've got to go this hard, but you don't realise that your body can't keep up with that. Mm. Yeah. And then you won't end up achieving the goals that you've set. So you've got to train smart and look at what can my body handle you, to be able to achieve the goals that I want to want to achieve. Yeah, you can't I mean you can't achieve anything when you're injured. Yeah. So um I think that's yeah, I think that's definitely the biggest thing is that both of our injuries were overuse injuries. Um, like I, I ruptured my both my patella tendons and I pretty much just trained so hard that I turned my patella tendons into mush. Like there was pretty much like just nothing left of them. So and I just had a mind frame mm-hmm. like if I wasn't um, if I wasn't training, there was someone else overseas that was training harder than me. So yeah, I just 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 became an obsession. So you definitely the um, train smarter, not harder. I think would be the biggest one that I'd want to pass down. And then also, you know, having a backup plan as well. I think it's worked out really well for Chelsea, but it was hard for me to kind of find my way, you know, when I first retired. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, it's really important. I wouldn't say, you know, it is good to have a plan, but not even 
having a plan. It's just thinking, even just to start thinking about what you might be interested in. Like I said to Sam, one of the um, resources that I found really useful was the Athlete Career and Education Consultants at New South Wales Institute of Sport. Um, I'm not sure if they still have them. I'm I'm sure they have something similar to them, Mm. but they set me on the pathway of, look, this is what you can do if you want to become this or what do you actually like doing? And obviously my parents were a massive um, support and factor in what I'm what I'm doing today but that really helped me a lot because they got me the job on at an Swiss on reception and then some other job opportunities came up through that I ended up working in the finance department at Swiss for a, a, I'd say about a good two or three years while I was still finishing my studies and then they let me know that I can apply for the scholarship for my teaching so I wouldn't be where I am today in my career without that support that I received through um, the New South Wales Institute of Sport. So just utilising the facilities and support that you have through your scholarships. If you're an athlete like that, you sometimes you don't even know they're even there. You just go to the gym and um, yeah. use your strength and conditioning. It's not all about the physical side. You know, there's mm. the psychology. There's all of those um, things that you yeah. can utilise and they all help you to become what you think you know what is a better athlete um it's a whole it's a whole rounded thing it's not just the physical side it's the mental it's everything else that comes with it that helps you to be a better person and a better better athlete at the end of the day yeah i think it's definitely one of the best facilities that nswith offers i when i was skiing i had had no interest. I was like, why is this, why are these people here? Like, what are they, what are they, um, why, what's, the like, point? what's the point of these people? And then, um, you know, when I finished, they just helped me out so much to get on track and to apply for, um, my apprenticeship and, and all like grants and all different things. So, um, yeah, now I look back at it, they're probably one of the, it's probably the, one of the best resources that they have I'm hoping I'm hoping they still they still have it yeah I think it's I think it's really important because you don't always like for example like me you don't always end the sport on you know I've gone the 2020 Olympics or 2022 Olympics are the end goal I'm going to compete there and then I'm going to retire what happens if you get injured next year and then that's the end of it like you need to at least think of what you're going to do next well that leads nicely into my next question my final question actually (laughs) So what's next for you both? Is there anything on the horizon that you're you're looking up to? I think we would like to have another kid at some stage. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's, you know, anytime soon, but I think mm-hmm. uh, eventually we'd like to have another kid. And with my carpentry, there's still so much to learn. I still feel like it's early days and I've only kind of just started to establish myself mm-hmm. um, and started to get a lot of good contacts. And so I've got a long way to go with that and I'm just going to keep continuing in that path that I'm going and yeah I'm, I'm happy I mean I probably would would have loved to ski my whole life but this is probably <laughs> the next best thing and um, yeah I'm just enjoying it and I think the the end goal for me is I would love to renovate and flip houses and kind of do that and yeah. Well I'm not into the whole block thing <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I for me well, getting back to work um next year will be my next thing and trying to juggle being a mum and going back to work which I know is going to be a massive um challenge for me 
just because I know, you know, when I was before Ava, I used to go to work at seven o'clock in the morning and then not leave till six o'clock at night and then come home, have dinner and get back to work. So, and I know I cannot do that anymore. So um, I've got to find a way to not train smarter, but work smarter um, so that I can give my time to my family as well. I think that would be my what's next for me. Um, and then, like Sam said before, we kind of tried to, when we bought our first apartment, not knowing COVID would happen, but we bought probably in 2017 when we first got married and we planned to, we bought an old apartment and we planned to, um, I guess, flip it and sell it um, and make a bit of money from that. But we tried to sell it um, this year and didn't have much luck. So, um, yeah, we'll try and try and do that again next year and um, upgrade and do it all over again. So, yeah. That's great. We're going to finish it there. Thank you so much to both of you. And thank you to Ava for staying asleep for that whole time that we recorded. That was fantastic. She's done so well. (laughs) But no, I'm super grateful that you could both join and join together. I think it was a really, really good episode. I don't know how you guys are feeling, but I really enjoyed it. So thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. I really enjoyed the chat. Yeah, looking forward to hearing it back. Thank you so much to Chelsea Lee and Sam Hall for joining me this episode of So What's Next. I'm so excited to have had my first couple episode. I thought it went really well. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you do want to hear more episodes, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or Google Podcasts. You can find the episode there and just hit follow or subscribe and that way you're notified every week of new episodes. Thank you all so much again for your support and I will see you next week.